0: Pastor Xavier Rees says, though not all sheep go astray, still all sheep do need a shepherd.
1: Why did God call a sheep? Because they always need someone to lead them. They go just 10 feet away, and their head goes around a corner, and they forget the flocks behind them, and they think they're lost. Bad. You give them a clear pool of water, muddy water, I don't know the difference. They'll drink the muddy water. And God give us wisdom.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Just as sheep need the leadership of a shepherd, pastors are in turn given the example of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And today, Pastor Xavier turns to the writing of Peter in his first epistle, in which he gives counsel to elders to be diligent but gentle shepherds over the flocks that have been divinely placed under their care. He begins by referencing the text for today's Simple Truth study.
1: 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Peter addresses the elders at the church that he is writing to. He says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. So he gives the counsel regarding their call, being examples To the flock. They were not to lead or lord over those entrusted to them. We've all experienced people at work where they get a little promotion, a little power, a little authority, and they think they're King Kong. (laughs) I mean, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. I have authority from God over this congregation. But my authority and power is limited by the scriptures. I am not to lord over you. I am to shepherd you. To feed you. To care for you. To warn you. To reprove you. To rebuke you. But always with the motive of love. And once I have done that, I can do no more. I cannot force you to live for Christ, neither do I want to. That is your choice. You see, the people did not belong to the elders or to the shepherd, but they belonged to who? God. You belong to God, not to me. And thank God for that. (laughs) You're a motley crew. And God holds you responsible, but he holds me responsible for you. They were to shepherd and oversee by example to the flock. Attitude and action have to be one here. By example to the flock. You see, I have to make sure that what I teach you, I live. If I don't live what I teach you, I have no right to teach you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think you hold me responsible to that. But I want to let you know something. I hold you responsible for that also. Because the standard is the same. And so you need to know that shepherds need to live what they preach. Sadly, some don't. They're hypocrites. You want to lead? Don't tell people. Show them. You know, you can teach your kid to swim by two ways. You can either tell him how or you can show him how. The telling's okay, but the showing will benefit far greater. Attitude and action. I can go through actions with wrong attitudes and God says, no good. But I can go through actions that are backed up by attitudes and man, he says, right on. Peter's counsel is much like that which is given to fathers towards their children in a loving and caring relationship so that the benefit is for the child, not for the father. You see, the counsel that I give to you, the benefit is for you, not for me. That you might grow and develop in Christ. The counsel to these elders is for the benefit of the sheep indirectly for them because God will hold them responsible for that. Now God has called pastor, teachers, the shepherd, the flock of God, which involves feeding, tending to the needs, to protection, discipline, seeking out the one lost sheep. That's not always easy, but yet God is able. And so my feeding you goes far beyond just here on Sunday morning. Some of you call me up and you come in to counsel. You counsel with some of the other ministers. We spend time with you. We pray with you. We guide you through the scriptures. We're praying for you constantly. Like I said, sometimes we cry with you. The the situations are heartbreaking. Be careful of a shepherd who isolates himself and he's never among the sheep. When you look at a shepherd, it's very obvious. He's out there in the flock and he's looking to see if their disease, if their legs are broken, if they're drinking muddy water. He's in the middle of them. Where you fellowship, does your shepherd walk in the midst of you? Can you talk to him? Can you call him up and get a counseling appointment? When a shepherd has been blessed by God and God has chosen to bless, and you've got 500, 1,000, 2, 3, 5, 10,000, it is absolutely impossible for that shepherd to make himself available for everybody. So he has to delegate a lot of things. But even when there's a big ministry, if that man is a shepherd, a true shepherd, you will see he makes himself available, he's with people, he's in the midst, he's talking, he's not some invisible man except for Sunday morning. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. Paul declared to the Ephesian elders his faithfulness to feed the flock there at Ephesus when he was there in Acts 20 as he met with the elders. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 through 16 that God has given pastor teachers prophets evangelists so on and so forth for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of ministry feeding the flock of God let me tell you the purpose of the church is not evangelism I don't care what the church says <laughs> the purpose of the church is found in Ephesians 4 feed the flock of God to perfect the saints that they not be tossed to and fro and they may be equipped to do ministry I don't know if you have recognized a simple observation, but a shepherd does not beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. And when you have lazy, anemic sheep, sheep do not reproduce. Sometimes it's the fault of the shepherd that doesn't feed, at other times, it's the fault of the people. They're complacent. Nevertheless, Sheep begets sheep. The shepherd has never begotten one sheep. If he has, he's in trouble. Those who exercise oversight are to do it with a pure heart and agape love. Nothing but agape love will do. So a shepherd has to check his heart always. Because he's a man like anybody else and his motives can be wrong. He has to be real careful. Paul said he didn't do it for money, but he told the Thessalonians that at times he worked with his own hands and he was a tent maker. Now, I have never begged for money. I never will. God has supplied all of our needs. This building, we couldn't buy it. God said he wanted us to have it. There was no big pledge. There was no big pressure. People had all kinds of ideas. They have cookie sales. They have this. They have that. A bond program. no. If it's God, it's God. Let's do it. God guides, He provides. And the day that God doesn't guide, then I have to go provide for my family. So that keeps my heart pure that I don't serve for money. Whatever state I am, I'm content with little or with much, like Paul said. And so the shepherd that has his eyes on the amount of money shows that he's a hireling. Paul says, You're an elder, you do it now for the love of money. As a matter of fact, Paul said to the, that he never coveted any man's silver, gold, or apparel to the elders in Acts 20, uh, verse 33. And then in verses 17 and 21 there, he says, listen, I taught you night and day for three years. I cried with you. I suffered with you. Serving suffering. There it goes, hand in hand. And he says, I did not do it for money. Paul worked when he had to. No big power, no big pressure. Whenever somebody says, no, shut those doors. I know there's five people here. God told me you're going to give $1,000. Get up and walk out. Get up and walk out. That's not biblical. Don't let anybody beg you or pressure you. You be obedient to God, and God will bless you. What you do in secret, God will reward you openly. But recognize your responsibility. But a shepherd does not serve for money. And the day he does, he's lost perspective. Paul told the Corinthians that he has scriptural right to receive money, and yet he says, I won't do it, I don't want you to boast. And he says, Listen, read the law. It says you should not muscle the ox that treads the corn. And then the Timothy he says, Hey, listen, Jesus said, Those that live of the God preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And then he puts side by side the muzzle and the ox. Putting the Old Testament and New Testament scripture side by side, equal in inspiration and authority. And yet, Paul says, lest the gospel should be blamed, I'm not going to do this with you. Interesting. Greed is not to be a mark of the elder or the shepherd. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. The sheep are God's flock. Verse 2 says... God's people in chapter 2, verse 10. The church of God in Acts 20, 28. The family of God in Ephesians 3, 15. Who do you belong to? God. You don't belong to me. But I'm responsible for you. Accountable. Every person that ever sits under my ministry, I will have to give an account to Jesus Christ. Discipline. We don't like that, but it falls on the same level. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Hey, submit yourself to the elders that discipline you. They do it for your own benefit and for accountability to God. Some of us just want to hear the good stuff. But when we're in sin and we're in difficulty, we don't want to hear the truth. So what we do is we play the Southern California game. We get up, take our toys, and go play somewhere else. We go to another church. Why did God call us sheep? Because they always need someone to lead them. They go just 10 feet away, and their head goes around a corner. And they forget the flock's behind them and they think they're lost. Bah! (laughs) You give them a clear pool of water, muddy water, I don't know the difference. They'll drink the muddy water. But the control is not with power, but with love for your benefit. Those who shepherd and oversee must do it by example of the flock. Paul tells the Philippians to join Him in following His example and in doing so, the God of peace would be with them. That which you've seen and learned and me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. What a tremendous statement. Example, not perfection. But see my heart, see my love for God. See my diligence to to have the kingdom first and not the world. See my heart and, and, and see my actions, see my life, if the people of God are priority to my life or if the things of the world are priority. Example. We need examples in the church of Jesus Christ. Better examples. We have too many bad examples. He reminds the Thessalonians how they uh, were pure before them and their conduct, orderly, and they weren't financially burdensome to them. He tells Timothy to be an example of the believer in word and conduct and love and spirit and in faith and in purity. Example And so Peter gives His common oneness with them His counsel to them And he finalizes with his confidence in them Verse 4 And when the chief shepherd appears You will receive the crown of glory That does not fade away Their labor of love Was in view of the chief shepherd's Soon appearance Mark that well They're suffering. They're under persecution. And he tells these elders, listen, your labor of love is in view of the chief shepherds soon return. What incentive, what strength you can receive in leadership when you know that Jesus can come back at any time. If you drift away from that motive of life, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Be a shepherd, elder, or just a Christian. When you start thinking, well, maybe he won't come, be careful. The soon return and imminent return of Jesus Christ is the greatest incentive for holy living and faithful service. You start believing the philosophy of my Lord Delays is coming, and oh man, you're going to add to your hurt because number one will take priority, not God. Things will take priority, not the kingdom. The chief shepherd here refers to Jesus Christ, the true shepherd of the sheep. Jesus called himself the good shepherd in John 10, 11. See, there's only one good shepherd. The rest of us just try to be good. We are under shepherds. Hebrews thirteen twenty calls him the great shepherd. And Peter here calls him the chief shepherd. The imminent return of Christ is throughout this epistle. I don't know if you've noticed that. But let me just kind of take you through real quickly just some of the scriptures. In chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. Listen, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 7 of first chapter. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory when... At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 of chapter 1. Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at when? The revelation of Jesus Christ. A couple of more will suffice. Chapter 4, verse 5. He says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And then verses 17 and 18 of chapter 4. For the time has come, for judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, that's you and me, by grace through faith, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? The imminent return of Christ is throughout this epistle. What is the context? Suffering. What is Peter giving as a source of strength in that suffering persecution? Jesus is at the door. The end is at hand, chapter 4, verse 7 says. But the end of all things is at hand. Their labor would be regarded by Christ. Notice that he says there in verse 4, you will receive God will not overlook anything. He knows all things. Sometimes we equate God with men. You start serving, and it always shows a motive of service. People start serving. Oh, yes, I want to do this. And then you don't recognize them, so they pout and get sore. And they say, well, they don't acknowledge my worth and and how valuable I am. I'll, I'll go to another church. Well, who are you serving, Christ or me? Why are you serving He says here, you will receive. God will not overlook your service. Secondly, you will receive the crown of glory. You will receive in that day honor. The word crown is Stephanos. It's the word for crown that is used for the victor crown in the athletic games. Paul uses this in 1 Corinthians 9.25, that you run that race, you press. You, he, he says, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I so fight that I might not be disqualified. He's speaking of an athlete. But third of all, the glory will not be temporal, but it will be eternal. It won't fade away. Oh, how vain some of the reward is down here. You know, someone, someone does something for the church and they say, oh, we're going to give you at the end of the year the, the biggest tither. Here's your reward. And everybody goes, hey, there's your reward. Don't expect to get anything in heaven. Here's this platter for bringing 50 people to church this year. There's your reward. It fades away, man. But what you do, you do for God, not to receive praise of man or applause of man or recognition of man. You do it because God has called you and you know that you should because you fit in the body of Christ in those gifts, in that position. And God will reward you like a competitor who is crowned and receives his medal or his crown. No one can take it away from him. And so Peter says, in that day you will receive and no one will take it away. Jesus, the chief shepherd, will judge every believer at the beam seat of Christ. No one will escape at his coming. When you go before the beam seat seed of Christ, 1 Corinthians uh, 3, Romans 14, 10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 gives you that. And God starts saying, well, this way, no, 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 Lord, you don't understand. You weren't there. Let me give you the scoop. No. <laughs> There's not going to be no justification, no excuses. When you get before God, that's it. Everything will be shown exactly why you did it or why you did it. And you will receive exactly what you did. But secondly, he says that judgment will be according to the motives of the heart, the intents of the heart, 1 Corinthians 4 5. You see, many people in the church do a lot of things because they're motivated by carnal pastors, they're motivated through their carnal motives. And so there's a reward. But God will reward us according to the motives. That will be the judgment. In 1 Corinthians 3, 14 through 17, it says wood, hay, stubble. Silver, gold, precious stone. Now, the fire has a certain quality. There's nothing different about the fires that the things are put into. The difference is the content and the quality of the material. That which you did out of wrong motivations will be wood, hay, and stubble. <laughs> Crispy critters. No reward no matter how much money you gave, no matter how much you sacrificed, if you didn't do it out of agape love and obedience to Christ and you did it to be seen of men and because you were pressured by men, because you receive a platter, you receive whatever, there's your reward. All burned up. But when you did it out of agape love, then the source of your reward will be silver, gold, and precious stone. What happens to those materials? Fire can't consume those. What does it do? It can only refine them and purify them. So what you do, you do unto God. So don't let any carnal pastor motivate you through carnal means. And maybe that's why so much of the church is carnal, because we have carnal leaders motivating people through carnal things. It's got to begin in your heart by the Spirit of God. If not, you receive no reward. Tremendous confidence that he gives in them. In 1852 the troop ship Birkenhead struck in a sunken rock off the African coast. She had on board drafts of the 12th Lancer and other regiments of British military men. On that same boat, there were 124 women and children. The soldiers stood by as the men and women got into the boats, or the children and women got into the boats, while the men drew up with their officers in parade style and lined up at attention. They saw without murmuring the boats shove off and went down with the sinking ship. The word of command was given by the Major Sutton. Listen to it. Stand still and die like Englishmen. And those 454 men went down to their sea grave that day in solidarity and order. Firm, steady, and satisfied since there was only room in the boat for women and for little children. Such should be the service that we render to God and God's people. Because we can do nothing else with service, their sacrifice, and their suffering. But God will reward in that day. And so it should be not only with the elder, not only with the shepherd, but with each and every one of us. May God give us wisdom.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese closing our time today with a compelling illustration for the kind of sacrificial service rewarded by God with a crown of glory that does not fade away. Now today's study is simply titled, Feed and Love God's Flock. And as always, we can provide a copy upon request. And by the way, there's much more to this study that we shared last time that will be included on CD for just $4 to help cover the costs. The title to ask for once again is Feed and Love God's Flock. Request yours today by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese.